Hello and welcome to Open All Ours, the QPR podcast. I am David Fraser. It's Thursday night. I don't know how we ended up on Thursdays, but here we are. It's Thursday after the Derby game, the Thursday before the Watford game on the Monday. As always, lots to talk about. There are four of us here tonight. So we also down the line have Paul Finney. Hi, Paul. Yep. Hey, Red. I'm just looking for a bottle opener. But hello, how are you? Very good, very good. And you're in a sort of orange get-up, as is Flo Lloyd Hughes. True. Oh, it's a orange true. hoodie as well. You you look weirdly coordinated. <laughs> I, uh, I, I would say. Oh no. <laughs> meet me, me or Flo because oh, I'm going to be coordinated in my life. Matchy, really matchy, matchy, matchy really with Finney. <laughs> I wouldn't. Flo, really I, wouldn't I, I, I wouldn't say that. In fact, I think you should sue. <laughs> that is that is that is really insulting to someone to say that they look like Paul Finney or they're dressed the same. So I take that back. Even my daughter would sue you for that. Seriously, yeah. I've never been. I see. I've never been colour coordinated or fashionable in my life. I know what you're saying, David, but I just want to put that. Out. Whereas Flo is far more coordinated and far more fashion conscious. I do apologise, Flo. Uh, we all, we also have. Is this? I believe your first time on the pod but you can tell me if it's different because we've been doing it a long long time now phil o'sullivan yeah first time on the pod thank you very much for having me on it's brilliant welcome phil and you are give us your qpr credentials um, i started supporting 1974 so i'm not doing a lot for your youth policy wow that's amazing myself and my son tomo uh, I've got magnificent season tickets in row A of the P block in the upper loft. We are the P block, we are the P block, we are the P block through Shepherd's Bush. Uh, we're gutted that we can't go be in there at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I just, I dropped you a tweet because I thought I can talk nonsense about QPR for hours on end. So I thought, well, I may as well use my time wisely in lockdown. Very good. You're just a man below me. On just below me because I'm in N. So you're probably sort of down towards my left somewhere and your son's called Tomo can I ask is he Thomas and that has evolved into Tomo or yes he is Thomas and Tom that became Tomo and he's been going to QPR since four and he's now 18. One of his claims to fame is because we're in row A of the P block and right in front of us is the gantry where when we're in the Premier League there's a camera there and he nearly caused a riot one night because the cameraman on a midweek game was wearing a Chelsea cap, and he was about no six, way. He was six or seven, jumping up and down, pointing at this bloke saying Chelsea scum. Um, and this this cameraman thought he was going to get lynched and thought he was going to get pushed off the uh, gantry. Eventually, the stewards came down and told the cameraman to remove his cap or leave. Fantastic. I mean, that is bold from the from the cameraman. I think he was trolling a little bit there because he clearly knows about football, so he was clearly putting that on to do one thing. But you know what? Um, I, I I taught my daughter from a very young age that when she seen anything to do with that club, to show it scum, and it was all going swimmingly well until I was pushing around Watford Asda as you do in a trolley and she just pointed this massive bloke in a Chelsea shirt. I went scum. I had to explain with QPR fans and not to kill me. <laughs> and if he was to yeah. kill me, could you make sure, you know, and it, it wasn't good. Finny, I'm not it. sure that's the best life advice from a parent, no. but you know. Hey, listen, 
That was that. Yeah, no, it's grand. Yeah, didn't end well, like it was massive. But what the hell? Who cares? You've had a good week then, Finney, with Lampard going. Probably quite it's enjoyed been, that. It's been strange. I mean, if you look at them across the road, they they had no soul anyway, Phil. Did they? Let's be honest. In the eighties, and no. they're slowly dismantling any credibility they may um, announce um, or anything of. It's. Why everyone forget? Before the Russian blood money came in, they'd won nothing. They were nothing. It's just they still are nothing. You know, it's anyway. Tush, Tushel is Tushel, Tushel is doing the um, he's doing the Dirty Money World Tour. So yeah, he really is. Next, next like job, man's next job, Man City, and then then he's 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 done. He's got the bingo card. It's um, it's, it's 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 weird, though, David, isn't it? I mean, I can't think of a club that is so happy to shout on the legend so quickly. Um, as this lot, and they really are because I remember when he signed for Man City and came back, he got a lot of abuse, blah blah blah. And it just, they just, you know, it's a real. I'm, I'm looking forward to Jose Basinga once they've been the manager, and then it's like bingo's all in one. We can just go for it. Can you imagine you, that? Like, yeah. did you see the gag this week with the banner from the stand that said, In Frank, we trust? And they'd only just bought that stand, that banner, it's the you know, 15 meters wide, and it was on eBay for a quid. <laughs> Right, this is probably the longest we've spent talking about that club. So let's stop that and let's right. sort of start the show. So um, thank you all for uh, uh, tuning in. If anybody's listening for the first time, um, you can listen to all our old episodes on qprpod.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at qprpod. You can find us on Facebook. I'm going to say very quickly as I go through everything else, one of the four of us has got some feedback coming through. I don't think it's me, but if the other three can try and work out who it is, I will continue with the introduction messages. Um, okay, so we always need to thank our sponsors. Um, thank you very much. So we've had people being extremely generous this week, uh, and we've got a beer sponsor and a podcast sponsor. Now, I suppose I don't really want to mention this stuff, and we're certainly not going to talk about it today, but I can't read out the messages without doing it. So... We have had a bit of a tough week online um, and we called it out and we called it out yesterday and said that please do come at us with all your football opinions, but don't make it personal because it's all getting uh, a bit ridiculous. The reaction to that was incredible. People were very kind, very generous. I discovered we have people who listen. Um, quite a lot of people listen to the show and like the show. Um, and two such people um, have already kind of written in and, 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 and given us brilliant support by sponsoring it. So the beers are from Will Hampshire. Thank you, Will, for the beers. His message is, you shouldn't have to put up with what you're getting. We're lucky to have people dedicated to this sort of product in their spare time. Keep up the amazing work, guys. So thank you, Will. Um, and Mark Benson, can, I, can, I, can, I just, can I just say one thing about Will? Sorry, David. Yeah. Will, Will is a really kind individual who... Um, when my mum was sick, um, nudged me in the right direction as someone who really helped. Will is a really, really lovely man. Thank you, Will. He, thank you very much, Will. Mark Benson is the podcast sponsor, um, who says, I love the podcast and I've never missed an episode. This last year, the way you've managed to keep it going nearly every week through the pandemic has been amazing. Sending you all the best from Netanya in Israel. Please give a shout out to the QPR in Israel WhatsApp group that I'm a member of along with 20 or so other loyal QPR fans. Come on, you Brilliant. Are. 
Do you know what I'm thinking, David? There is another, and Flo and, and Phil, there is another place we need to do a live pod. New York, Tel Aviv, Belfast, Dublin. It'd be like one of them tours. I love hearing about where people listen to us. Someone got in touch yesterday yes. saying Venezuela. Someone got in touch saying New York. Please do send us a message and we'll read it out next week about where you tune in from. Uh, There's quite right. a few in um, Brazil as well, believe it or not. There's quite a few Brazilians. It just blows my mind how, how many Scandinavian Rangers fans are. Oh, God, there are. yeah. Like, God, I just don't, it's so weird how such a small football club in a you know, community part of London can just have such a vast fan base around the world. I mean, I say vast, I mean kind of geographically vast rather than numbers. There's not a lot of us, but... Oh, I don't blows, know. It just blows my mind. Well, my, my mate Matt, who I went to junior school with, now lives in North Island, New Zealand, and there was a big QPR following North Island, New Zealand. New Zealand are, shout the out The population to there must kind of, the ratio of Rangers fans to the population must be really high. It's more than people that got COVID, probably. Well, you see the pictures of their get-togethers. There's a lot of people there wow. supporting QPR. And he's done a good job because his son is also a QPR fan and he was born out there, so that's not bad. There's also the Australian R's, um, but they're all over the place, obviously, in Australia, but there's massive. And um, quite, quite a few of them help with the pod and have been on the pod as well. So it's, it's quite, I think it's brilliant, isn't it? Because like, it's, it's so beautiful that we can be all part of W12, but at the same time we can be in Rio, we can be in Belfast, mentioned again, um, London or Cairo. It doesn't really so, matter. So I, I definitely want to know about all these people. So please do just say, I listen to the podcast in blah, but also in the UK, like a really like weird and wonderful places. Is there someone in the Isle of Skye listening to us? This is what I want to know. Oh, that's a good one. That's um, a good call. So, all the weird and wonderful places, not weird and wonderful. You know what I mean? That's how the silly owls. Right. That'd be another good one. Right. You should live there. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Now, Phil has trailed a note of optimism, but we're going to keep that later. He said before we came on, I've got a note of optimism to share with you, which sounds very interesting, very intriguing, but we'll leave it uh, until after. So we've got to talk about Derby and we've got to talk about signings. So how was Derby for you, Paul? Um, Quiet, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, no. I... Uh... Ark, it was it was kind of after Lords Murphy, wasn't it? Really, it was a wee bit kind of like back to how we were before the big news of signing Charlie, and everyone got a wee bit of a lift. And then it was like, um, I felt we were good for a point. Derby were there for the taking, and we messed it up. Basically, that's that's my opinion. So um, I was very disappointed that we couldn't get that win and, and pull away more from the bottom. But so QPR, isn't it, Phil? Uh, I was, I mean, it was just a dreadful game of football. But um, as much as I am a big Warburton supporter, last thing I want to do is get him sacked. Last thing. I just haven't agreed with that over the last month at all. Our failings were there to be seen against Derby. We've got no central midfield and we got four fullbacks in the club and not one of them would get in a championship side of the top ten, not one. They shouldn't really be playing championship football. I don't like dissing our own players, but we just couldn't compete because we can't put a decent ball in. The best ball into the box comes from either Dickey or Barbe when they step over mm. the halfway line. And playing Willock, I've got a huge amount of time for Willock. Brilliant. I'm glad we got him or develop him. 
but he's not a central midfielder. And we're, we're going to come on to comings and goings and recruitment or whatever else. We were just hugely struggling in that game because we had no central midfield and the full backs, when you play back three, it is a game built around wing backs mm-hmm. and we haven't got any wing backs. So it's very difficult. As much as I like playing a back three, because we then get two strikers and Dykes and Austin playing together has been fantastic. But if you haven't got the, the, the wing backs, what are you going to do? I mean, you, you can see with Liverpool at the moment, that they're struggling because you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who was awesome last season, has gone right off the boil. And Robertson is not as good as he was last season. And we're comparing <laughs> champagne and pomade there with our lot and them. But that, that is the problem. I mean, Kane... He doesn't oh, appear to see it as an issue, does he? He doesn't... I've just been saying this the last few weeks about the fullbacks. But Kane, I mean... You just it's like playing a bingo game or something. Count the number of times that the ball leaves Kane's foot and doesn't get past the first man. I just don't know how the strikers don't go over and strangle him. I mean, he's just... Te- Hammerlinen, again, it's one for the future, but he just looks horribly out of his depth. If we had anyone else to play there, the kind thing to do would be give him a month off. You know, don't put him in the firing line. But then, Phil, there was that ball against Luton where he he, he obviously um, was possessed by some form of alien footballer and did like a kind of a Maradona ball down the line, which I thought was brilliant, to be fair. So, he, he's, yeah, I, I do agree with the fullbacks. I'm not sure. How, I don't think many teams are going to come chasing our fullbacks, that's for sure. And the other, sorry, the final point for me on Derby, the other thing that was worrying about Derby, so our fullbacks are central midfield. There are two biggest problems. The other problem, and bear in mind I'm a Warburton fan, is his stubbornness and he just seems incapable of making a change and it really is a bit worrying when he gets out thought by potato head you know it was the Wayne Rooney show at half time Wayne Rooney thought hang on the central midfield is there to be had I'll take a guy off and I'll stick another body in midfield and that changed the game and mm. Warburton did nothing about it and that I, is I think you're a bit unkind to Wayne Rooney there and and I would argue Wayne Rooney had an incredible football brain at 18 and he may not have a, 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 not a good day-to-day brain, but he, he, he knows, you can, I think you can see why Rooney will be a successful. Uh, I will be well, he did well at the weekend, didn't he, against us? Yeah. I mean, to, to be fair, David, I think his, his brain's been woven into the game. To see what I did there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, it's, it's a joke. Yeah, because of the hair. Yeah. The other thing is, so before you go to flow, one other thing is, is Cameron on a bonus to get sent off? (laughs) I wondered that. Maybe he wants to. Flo, what what do you what did you think? Um, Yeah, I I agree with everything that that Phil and Finney said uh, have said. To be honest, Um, I've been surprised with how well Rooney's done ever since he arrived, or well, ever since he sort of took over that role at at Derby and it's kind of been a role of circumstance because of what's going on with this takeover that looks like it's not going to happen now but to do as well as he has so far to get points against some of the big teams and to also look after a side where most of the players haven't even been paid properly dating back to December is really tough so yeah. I think he's certainly got a lot more than I think I've definitely underestimated his ability you know, I think he's he's showing signs that he's more switched on than than our manager. I think that feels right in terms of Saturday. After the game, I said that I thought 
you know, Derby won without trying very hard. Um, and I know a couple of people disagreed with me and it was fantastic because they disagreed with me and they did it in a, how a normal person would and said, I think you're being a bit harsh there, Flo. Um, and on reflection, I think I was being a bit harsh, but I still think what frustrated me about Saturday was that Derby didn't have to work very hard to get the three points. And that's what made me feel like they didn't try hard is the way that they play and the way they set up against teams that want to play football is just sit back and intercept the ball or wait for a poor pass in which there's going to be quite a few when your QPR and pounce on that. And I think that's why it was so frustrating is we played to their strength. We got bullied off the pitch. They did have a more organized defense than us for sure. So I give them credit there, but I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, they did loads to deserve that result I think we wasted a lot of good opportunities like we have been doing all season and we were just messy because we're always messy and I think that's why it's frustrating is we almost handed it to them and with teams like that who are in and around us we've got to be fighting harder and I think definitely the impact that that Charlie Austin is having is that noise factor because I know it's something it's something that Clive has spoken about a lot about how quiet we are as a team and that's definitely the case when you look at how gobby and loud some of the teams we play are and in the case of Cameron potentially getting sent off like that's always going to work against you so I do think there's there's a massive impact that Charlie's having there that he's he's loud he is he he brings that out in other people and we need to be a meaner team we've just become Mm. too nice and I obviously you know back in the day when we might get a pass into the Intertoto Cup for having the fewest yellow cards, it might be worth it. But right now, we're not going to get anything for being nice to people. Like We have to get that edge to us again. And I'm hoping that Charlie's going to bring that because he's already influenced it in that way. So, I, I don't want to... And you talk about um, whether you were harsh on, on at the weekend and people disagreeing with you, but we haven't done a podcast together Um since you talked about Charlie, and I'm not suggesting that we start a whole feature of the podcast called Flo's <laughs> Opinions, but um, I, I want to know, so you said you don't want Austin there. You don't want Austin at the club. He's not the man for a fight. Do you, have you revised that or do you still think that? I'm in two minds. Like he's obviously had an impact that cannot be denied. So I, I wouldn't, I, I can't lie that he's definitely had an impact right now in a positive way. You know, he, he scored on his first game back. He is changing the dynamics of the team in the, in the aggressiveness, I think, in how vocal they are. But I still, like I'm sure lots of people, have a concern about his fitness and the longevity he will bring to the side. And that's the thing that still makes me go back to like, do we want him as the man when we've got potentially a long old slog ahead of us? Um, and I do also think, you know, he's been quite quite outspoken um, for his own reasons about the football philosophy that he believes in. And a lot of that is quite counter to what Warburton believes in. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be an interesting dynamic that plays out when we're in when, when, when things, when the, the, the shit potentially does hit the fan, which who knows? I hope, what I'm hoping is that we front load this with Austin. We play yeah. him as much as we physically can now, get as many goals and as many wins as we can now. And we don't ever get to the point where he's injured or 
you know, it's it's his philosophies uh, against Warburton's because that would just be worst case scenario. But if we can front load him and get the maximise him now, then that'll be fantastic. Without sounding like a Charlie Austin fanboy, he is just a class act. He is just a class mm. stri- striker. If he'd had pace, he'd have played for a top six side. He's just got no pace I mean, at all. The, the, and the, that the natural ability Luton, is so different to Dykes, right? That oh. just... In right, a, the goal he scored at Luton, yeah. no, no other striker in the club would have scored, even though it's from a yard, because the ball was coming across. He had two guys either side of him. He found space between the two. Lo and behold, he's in the right place, nods it home. When he went to Southampton, I was watching Southampton like I'm watching Palace for Eze at the moment, and the, Southampton are on the counter-attack, attacking down the left. Everybody's chasing into the box, including three defenders, all chasing towards the six-yard line. Austin stops. The ball is a perfect ball to him. He finds himself in three yards of pace, doesn't take a touch, one touch, finish, top corner. We just don't have anything like that, class. And he was watching that Fulham game. We should have won that Fulham game in the cup comfortably. We had chance after chance after chance. Yeah. And he yeah. is a different gravy altogether. The other thing is, I think that Dykes and Bon have both played better since he's come through the door. Definitely, definitely. So, I think I think that he he's rubbing off on them, and I think that is definitely something that I don't think I properly thought through is the impact that he might have on the people around him because there has been a massive lift and that stuff you talked about that awareness you, you can't really teach that yeah and it's it's that's something that you just get from being in and around that world and that experience and Dykes and Bon aren't at that level yet but they're already playing better as a result of it but I think the the situation Bonds and Dykes is the situation that you could you could sort of tag across most of the team is players that have not played at this level enough to be good enough or experienced and have enough awareness of what it takes to be there. Players who've played in lower leagues in Scotland, National League, being thrown into this environment, and it's just not going to work. I think what you've touched on, which nobody could predict, was we all knew he would have a sort of talismanic effect on the fan base, at least for a week that he would lift everyone. But it, we couldn't predict or call the what he would do with the team and the other players. And if you listen to him on the podcast last week, he said Bond phoned him on the way back from the... can't remember who we were playing, the game that, that he signed uh, that evening and phoned him for advice. And he was Fulham. giving advice. Fulham game. And he was giving Lyndon Dykes advice as well. I agree with you. Some of the things he said and some of the things he said on Five Live the other week, there is a touch of insubordination about it, which I think will be interesting to see how Warburton manages it. But he is, without doubt, having an impact on the rest of the players. Do you know what, Dave? I would rather have someone come in and shout and scream to how they want the ball played to them, to how they want the game to go. Who cares? Rather than just follow instructions and end up in you know, Loftus Road itself rather than just staying in the ground, you know. It's, there's a lot to be said about... And also, his, his game's improved a lot. We, we discussed this when he was on last week, you know, the ways that... He reminds me a lot of when Kevin Gallen came back. He, he, he was yeah. able to bring more people into the game with him. And that comes... Mm-hmm. And also, he's been part of a QPR team that's been successful. So, a lot of these guys have played in a QPR team that's been struggling around this league and maybe last season we had a better season. But he can turn around and say, look, I've been here, lads. Well, this team's done things. This hasn't always been this way. And I think he genuinely cares about the club. I think he cares more about Charlie Austin. And I've got no problem with that because a striker should be confident. But he does care about the club. 
So it's going to be interesting, but the fitness flows right. Stay fit, get as many goals as you can now, get as many wins as you can now, because this year is going to be, it's a terrible division, but it's also going to be terrible hard to stay under the relegation zone because everyone is beating everyone. So we need to get as many wins as we can. I guess we're, we're lucky that there is quite a lot of chaos around us. Sheffield Wednesday, absolute mess. Derby, if this ownership situation continues and they continue to not be able to play the players, Rooney's not going to be able to manage that for that much longer, even if they do Rooney's offload. Rooney's going to end up owning the club. They're going to, well, have to end potentially, up giving Rooney, Rooney <laughs> Potentially Derby. at this rate. Um, yeah. So it, I think that's the one thing. And Wickham aren't good enough. So we, we can. I think those are the things we can hold on to, is that I think we will scrape survival, but it but could be quite painful. at this time on a Thursday night or whatever and we're not playing until Monday evening, you do realise that by Monday night, we could be two points, just two points outside the relegation zone. It is Bill, terrifying. Is the optimism that you sold yourself. Yeah, come no, on, I'm Bill, coming, come on. I'm, I'm coming to that. But you can't, by the way, we can't move on from Derby by, by, by missing talking about the penalty that wasn't given. I'm yeah. Compounded on everything else, we're now being unlucky. I know we're going on this thing about we're a very quiet side, but how can that not be given? We've had three or four of those already. Surely we're going to have a run of three or four games where we get the most spurious penalties given to us because even blatant ones aren't given at the moment. It's extraordinary. I, I well, guess also, maybe that... that's another thing that we talked about in terms of noise and the coaching staff having to get more Larry. <laughs> I, I don't what? know. I mean, uh, we're, quite, we're quite a polite coaching staff. Compared yeah, to some of the people in English football, like I've I've never seen the likes of um, Sheffield United Sheffield United's coaching staff and bench when I covered a game at Stamford Bridge towards the end of last year. Chris Wilder and his team, oh my god, so gobby, so sweary at the officials, and didn't even get a yellow card. Like we need to get nasty like that. It was like the away <laughs> game in Middlesex. You could see just on the coverage that they went absolutely bananas constantly, didn't they? That, I like that. Man. Phil, a man after your heart. A man after. I love that, by the way. Carry on. So I, I, I feel like this is going to be obvious. There's a man I see every week on our bench, and I have no idea who he is. So <laughs> Neil Warburton is the manager, and Eustace is the assistant manager, and Gavin Ward, I think his name is, is the goalie coach. There's a sort of middle-aged man in a baseball cap who's there the whole time. That's who that's Neil. That's Neil. Who is he? Neil. He was, I can't remember his surname. It's the guy that came from Arsenal's coaching setup, isn't yeah, it? I can't you, remember his. Is it Neil Bamford or something? Neil. He, yeah, Neil, Bam, he, Neil Bamford. I think is correct. But you know him. what? Going back, going back to what Flo said about the penalty, I was being kind when we were talking about this in the WhatsApp group that we have. And if you look at it from the referee's point of view, the ref maybe is on Sunday. But the line, the lino had a clear sight of that. And I've no idea why that wasn't called. I mean, you're right, Phil. It was blatant penalty all day long. But uh, referees and, and, and Lionel's this season have been shocking. I don't know why it's because the best have been given the Premier because whatever reason they can't travel or whatever. But yeah, that, that was a shocking decision. Um, you know, and goals change games. Against a team like Derby, goals change games. They were just sitting there and when mm. they scored, then the whole thing changed. If we'd scored first, anyway... Um, right, I'm, I'm going to move on to coming to You do that, Trafford. David. Uh, so, I don't think we talked about, excuse the pronunciation, Jordi Davis coming on the last podcast. I think it was just after we recorded. So we have Johansson has come in on loan, the midfielder that Phil is crying out for. 
Um, Jordi Device, Device has come in. We've signed an 18-year-old goalkeeper who we, I, get, I suspect will be one for the future, I guess. And there's been one go out the door, which is, of course, Bright, I'll say Samuel has left the club. Encouraging business, pointless business. What, what do you think so far of those few with, what is it, four or five days left of the window? Um, we've got a central midfielder who I don't quite understand why he's so out of favour at Fulham, but he's a proven international, played how many times? 30 times, 50 times for Norway or something, and they were good enough to beat England. Um, and, uh, and that's exactly what we're crying out for. You've got to hope. I, I think the Dutch guy is a centre-half. I just saw Warburton's interview and he's not fit for Monday, which is a shame, because the other curveball I was going to throw with that is, are they going to try Barbe at left-back? because I could put him into the back three and then try Barbe at left-back, which is, which is that. I like, the, I like it. The goalkeeper, this production line, if we're working budget, really budget end of things, you need to keep them coming in young and then hopefully you can sell him for a fortune going forwards. But I still think they've got, with a couple of days to go, they need a, a couple more. And the, you know, without sounding like a trolley dash, they need a fullback at least, I think, and possibly another midfielder. But it was interesting in Warburton's interview this afternoon that he said it was a bit of an issue having a game against Watford on the same day that the transfer window shut. So that, that I got the feeling mm. that there was work still going on there. But what do I know? I'm just on the outside looking in like we all are. The weird, the weird thing is, I think I did a... a, a well, I was contacted by an Istanbul journalist, as, one, as you do when you're driving your van around London, delivering flowers. <laughs> why else not? And um, the, the, for the life of him, he's asking me why Bright chose them over um, the Belgian club that came in for him, um, Club Rouge. And I'm like, and I thought, you know, Fabache was quite successful in Europe. And he's like, no, they've been shocking in Europe. And actually... Only recently. Only the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, but... The Belgian club, Bruges, have got this turnover of young players. They get, they turn them over, they, 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 they often make the next stage in the Champions League, blah, blah. And he couldn't figure it out. And, and, that, and I was like, it must be wages, it must be this. And he was trying to say to me, what was the problem? Because like, we didn't get him signed up quick enough. But then he also didn't want to go to Bruges, which didn't help our case and blah, blah, blah. And it's just really sad because him leaving to me is a, is a kick up the teeth to what the club's trying to do, get them in young, sell them on, make some money so we can buy two players for each one that we sell, which I presume isn't, and keep the club going. And it's a shame that he leaves in the way that he did because he apparently didn't tell the club, just went blah, blah, blah. The new lads coming in, the keeper, we've got a few decent keepers at the club, believe it or not, on the 23 level. So he must be good if they think he's better than them. So that's handy. But I mean... Sonny, I mean, will, will he stay or will he go to someone else? He'll probably go at the end of the season because he's been doing so flipping well. I mean, he's like a one-man wall, isn't he? Let's be honest. So he'll probably not be staying with us much longer. I don't he's know. He's been Lonely. awesome. Oh, it's been it's been like it's been like a breath of fresh air. Um, someone safe, you could say safe you hands. Think and you think he'll go after two thirds of the season? I don't. I think. think I, I don't. I think he might go to somebody. There's, there's a real lack of quality keepers, and he is a quality keeper. He really is. I mean, the way he commands the area, his confidence. Because he's 26, he hasn't played that much first team football for us. He's a very confident guy, and I think there's a, there's a career there for him. Hopefully, it's longer with us because I'd rather keep him than get the money. But I'm a fan, so I'm going to think that the club obviously see things differently. Um, Flo, I agree. I, Sorry, I was going to say two fullbacks definitely. 
and one midfielder and maybe controversially another winger. That's it. I believe there's an Argentinian footballer previously <laughs> of this parish who's looking for a club. Just oh, saying. Yeah. Just saying. Well, I, I think Adilis is, is a bit old now, mate, don't you? I'm not <laughs> sure Adilis. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> oh, God. Um, Flo, I'm asking you with your BBC London hat on to Ooh. tell me about Johansson, please. I mean, he was fantastic at Fulham, not the season they went up last year, but that previous one when they went up and spent 100 million quid on bad signings. But he was very good. From what I've heard from people who watched him at West Brom in his most recent loan spell, he was not good. And I think it. I mean, he's 30 years old now, so I think he's lost a lot of that edge, the fitness that's required. Um, but I think what bodes well is, from everything I've heard, he is a bully. He is a prime shithouser, and he will bring a lot of what we've been talking about for the whole mm. season so far to the side. Like Him and Charlie combined is a gobby, nasty energy that we need. You know, not personally... But we need that fight. We need that gamesmanship. We need to stop just being too polite. And I think that's a big thing that I think the fans, why the fans have been missed, is that the edge that they would bring to a home game, that intensity and that hostility, is just completely disappeared, especially in any moments when it's a derby game, like a game against Brentford. I mean, we don't even get good results against them anyway. But certainly that Fulham FA Cup game, I would have imagined would have gone a little bit differently if there'd been fans there. So that's what I'm certainly... Mm. hoping to get from him because everyone I've spoken to is like "Mm, quality wise not so great but he's sure how like chops a lot of people down and he's physical I reckon he might get a few red cards along the way but um we shall wait and see but I I think it's it's vital especially as Tom Carroll is struggling for fitness as well I mean who knew that Tom Carroll we're missing we're missing Tom Carroll enormously You'd, yeah. never have, you'd never have believed that at the beginning of the season. But you, missed but you know enormously. What, but you know what about Johansson as well? He needs to be loved, I think, from what I've seen him at Fulham and other things. I know there's no crowds in, but I think he thrives in that being that player that the fans love. And if he gets that love, I think he will improve. And I think West Brom is a, yeah, it's going to be hard for anyone to, to do well, though. I think he'll do really well. I'm, I'm, I'm actually excited. And I don't normally get excited because it always means I fall off the hill. But I'm ex- that's a good signing for me. Really good signing. Two things I want to ask before we get on to Arzend. Number one, Shadipo is ripping it up at Oxford. I don't know if we can recall him or not. Paul, I'm sure Paul will give Paul, let's say, three minutes to start claiming him because I believe he's from Southern Ireland. But it won't be long before Paul claims him for Northern Ireland, I'm sure. Um is that, is that where's where's this come from? Because he's been here for years, and he's not just doing anything. To be fair, is it is it? It's interesting. I watched a Les Ferdinand interview yesterday on the EPL. Do you guys seen it? Um, and he was talking about when Ezzy was in loan and he did really well, and then he came back and he dipped a little bit, but then came back again. Um, and I guess they've got one eye on that, so he'll probably stay there to the end of the season, but. I always believe that if we've got someone doing really well in whatever division it is alone, bring them back and see how it goes. You've got nothing to lose. If he's our player, he might as well do it for us rather than somebody else. But that's my personal opinion. And, you know, I don't mind if they play for Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, Wales, Scotland, England, Argentina. 
if they do well for QPR, I will love them. And I think that if he comes back high in confidence, why not give it a go? I think with no. Shadipo in his previous loan spells, he'd never been there that long because he'd always gone for a little while or been recalled or we'd always had the expectation that he would be in and around the squad. And most of the time it's been as some kind of super sub that they just chuck on to run around for a bit, which is kind of how Brightest A. Samuel's QPR career started in some ways. So I think Oxford has been good for him because he's had an extended stay in a fairly decent quality league that is quite competitive this year, heavily impacted by COVID, but he's playing good football and he's scoring lots of goals. I think that's really important because if if he is going to be crafted into an effective winner, winger who has more than just pace, he's scored, I think, what, seven goals already this season for Oxford, which is a fantastic return. And I think it's seven good and because... 16, I think. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. And, and and recently, I think QPR haven't since maybe chair went to Stevenage. We haven't had a lot of really successful loan spells that we've been able to sort of move up and upgrade. So I think it bodes well for next season. I, I mean, with the loss of Bright, should we recall him? I mean, we bought a Domer and Willick to be our wingers. Yeah. So I feel like we should try and make it work because there's no point in recalling Shadipo if he's just going to be a bench warmer and perhaps just That's let it. him thrive. Oh. Well, I've just seen on, on my timeline, I don't know how true it is, that Smith has gone back to um, Accrington on loan. That's just, I think, just mm. happens, which is a shame because I'd like to see him go. But that, yeah. that was definitely on the cards, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. Which is a shame because I like, obviously, I like Smith for obvious reasons, but also he, there's something about him, I think, if he was, had the right manager and we had consistency in the dugout, we could get more out of these players. But Sadipo definitely, if he carries on like this, why not give him a go? Do you know what I mean? It, 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 the whole, he he is part of what we're asking out for. Young, academy, youth team, everything else, ticks every box and can play in the first team. That's what we're striving for. But if the uh, we, we seem to be linked this week or so with loads of different wingers. If we're going to bring a different mm-hmm. winger in, I'd leave him there on loan. If we're not, I'd get him back because Adoma clearly can't play 90 minutes. Although it's interesting when he came on against Derby, the first decent, the first time he touched the ball was an amazing ball into the box. But unfortunately, by that stage, Charlie had gone off. So there was no one to finish it. But if Adoma can't do 90 minutes and we don't bring in another winger, I would be tempted we, to bring him back. Do we know that Adoma can't do 90 minutes? Have we ever been given the Well, I think it's just see? been... I think it's, a, it's because of the fact that he spent nearly a year without playing any football and mm. then he's gone back into an environment where you're not getting proper training because of covid everything is broken up into weird groups and he's not playing enough games to just fully get his fitness back properly so i think he'll eventually be able to play 90 minutes surely but he probably won't get to that stage until like march because it's been such a slow kind of burner back up to this point could he be um, used better in the kind of that link up between the strikers low and take him away from the wing and then just use him for passing and, and stuff like that though because if his legs have gone perhaps that might be an idea as well maybe Phil that's why I was never a Sunday league manager Phil you've got a choice you can tell us your optim- your note for optimism now or we can go into the R's end and tell us it then but either you're... way I think you're going for it right so I'll give it to you now Go on. So the I saw Glastonbury was cancelled. Then I was hearing these stories about the, whether the Olympics are going to happen or not. And then there was news yesterday that we're locked down until the eighth of March minimally. I was just thinking this can't go on. I'm going to I'm climbing the walls. And I was thinking we need to get back to Loftus Road. 
And then I'm having a serious word with myself saying that it's just simply not going to happen. And we have to think that this season is not going to happen. However, when you think about the first home game of next season in August, so here we go. We have vaccinated, we're on, on target to vaccinate 15 million people by the middle of February. So we've done that since December. That means that by the middle of April, we'll have done 30 million people. By the middle of June, we'll have done 45 million people. There's only 65 million people in the country. So the last 20 million are going to be kids and don't need vaccinating. So by the middle of June, the country will have enough vaccination to be herd immunity, which surely must mean that on the first home game of next season in August, there can be 16 to 18,000 people in Loftus Road going bananas. And that would be a day out, wouldn't it? Now, that would be something to look forward to. Are you Nadim Zerhawi, the vaccination minister? Because <laughs> if you are not, I think you need to take his job. I, I, I yeah, I love it. Do you know That's what? That's the most accurate numbers I've heard throughout yeah. the pandemic, really, from day one. I'm, the only person who seems I'm to impressed. know their numbers. I'm brought into that. So you're saying... Come on, like we'll all get our heads down now, but we will be back for the start of next season. I like it. This season, Do you know what? Just, just live with the QPR Plus stream this season because I don't even like this thing. Put two thousand in the ground. It's like a first round of a League Cup. Just, mm. just put this season out of your mind. Work towards the third week of August because you're going to be back in Loftus Road. Uh, do you know what? It's really weird because I've been dreaming about it. I don't know if you guys have been as well, but maybe it's because I'm middle aged and, and and just mad. I don't know. But I've actually been dreaming about being back at games. How mad is that? I, I, I miss it so much, mental health-wise and everything. Just to crack, you know, just to go back. I even miss the post that means I can't see the dugout. Ridiculous, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna next season when I go back, I'm hugging that frigging post because I've missed it so much. There, I've said it. Very good. Right, we're going into RZN. now. I said before we started recording. Recording it sort of just after work on Thursday. I said 6.30, we're going to do the RZN buy. That's what we need to hit. Well, it's just coming up to 6.38. So we're <laughs> not too far. We're not, we are not too far behind. I'll start so you can all think. I actually, I had one, but I'm going to do a one and a half. And my one is, actually, my brother Ben brought it up, but I think it's a good point. And it is for all people, all parents who are QPR fans and an appeal to the club, more stuff for the kids please you did a little bit in lockdown one there was some coloring sheets there was some uh, various tasks haven't seen so much in this lockdown everyone is crying out for anything possible to sort of divert from it so junior r's kids stuff please club send more stuff because it sort of feels like it's dried up a bit lately and if i get a tweet tomorrow from someone saying you're completely wrong here's this massive resource thing great but if anyone has got the time at the club to do it please the other one was, Phil, you've cheered me right up today. I'm really pleased that you've, you've come on. I can't believe it's taken us nine and a half seasons for you to come on. I did um, find the club shop once. Yeah. Yeah, now now, now, Finney's all about, he's going to tell people the time he met you. Yeah, and lost my mobile number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, you lost um, mine. Stick to the story. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. Who wants to go next? Mine's very short. Go on. And that is, to everyone who's listened, to everyone who supported us, we feel the love. Thank you so, so much. That's my Oz end. Shut up. No, it isn't. It, there's, there's no way that's your Oz end. 
It is. Okay, good. I'm going to take it. T- done. Ticks off. Not coming back to you. Oh, uh, no. Flo. Um, I didn't really have one, but I will just echo what you said, David, in terms of thanks to Statman Phil for um, making me much more optimistic because I'm quite a negative, pessimistic person, I think, at times, especially about football. And it's probably having supported QPR that's done that to me. But um, yeah, I haven't been feeling very op- optimistic about the situation. It just does feel a bit relentless and like there isn't an end in sight. So I think putting it in that perspective and thinking that by August, we actually might be able to get into a ground and the sun will be shining, fingers crossed, because it's British summertime. Uh, that the, the idea of that is pretty fantastic. So I think it's certainly one that I'll hold on to. And I guess it goes hand in hand with... Um, the club doing a bit more because I know in the start of the first lockdown, we had loads of throwback content, didn't we? But it's gone a little bit quiet then. And I don't blame them because obviously the football started. So they're much busier than they were when the football wasn't going. Um, But it certainly was nice. Like I really enjoyed all those old rewatches of games uh, that they did. So, um, and the little Q and A's they did. I remember the one that they did with, um, like the the playoff crew as well was really good. So um, anything that can kind of give us a boost, I'd say. I should say as well, I think they are fairly stretched, like lots of people are. Oh yeah, lots of people on furlough and stuff. So that kind of thing. Yeah. So we're not we're not uh, we're not <laughs> we're not demanding this. We're <laughs> not demanding. <laughs> I, I... Just if there is anything, it would be nice. Yeah. If you've got anything add... in the back pocket, then please. I need, I need to add one thing, and that is Phil. Uh, I knew it. 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 <laughs> Shut your bank, as they say in Belfast. Phil, you've been brilliant. Please come on again. And I'm pleased that we met in the club shop, which I was maybe a bit too drunk to remember. I don't know. But thank I, you. And um, I don't think people, I don't think, I've just realised people won't get the reference because it was before we started recording, Phil said that he had met Finney before in the club shop and lost his number. So that's that reference. And I really like Shut Your Bake. I like that. But Phil, you do your R's end. Uh, well, I've got one that's not quite so optimistic and one that's a bit light-hearted. Did anyone else get slightly concerned about Lee Hoos writing a letter trying to get our fine reduced? Because that worried me, I have to say, that he, he's doing a brilliant job. I think he's magnificent. And all he has to do is keep the losses under 35, 39 million in a three-year rolling period. But the fine doesn't come out of that. So he doesn't care. We're, you know, the, all the facts and figures are wrong on this. We're paying 1.7 million for 10 years. And that has nothing to do with the, the lot, 39 million pound loss. So him writing that letter with my businessman hat on worried me because that to me sm- smacked of one of the owners saying, can you please get me out of this amount of money because cash is tight? Because it's of, it's of no benefit to Lee Hoos whatsoever. If they take the fine away, it doesn't change how the clubs run. 20 million has been changed into shareholders, whatever. And we're paying 1.7 million for 10 years. So it's got nothing to do with how Lee Hoos runs a club. So when I saw that he was writing a letter with a, you know, asking for the fine to be reduced, which by the way, it should be, it's ludicrous. That did worry me slightly. So... Well, also, the best answers. chance he's got is if he if he really thinks the club has a case, he should take it to the Court of Arbitration for Sport because that's how other clubs have done it against UEFA. That's what they did. If the, he truly thinks there's merit in this, take the EFL 
to Cass and do it that way, writing a letter for some kind of violin sympathy vote from the other clubs is just not going to go down well because they'll just, they you know, they're all pretty selfish at the end of the day. And why does it matter to them? They're not going to And I've got, I've got one other, which go is, on. uh, which is, which is, much more, which is much more lighthearted. Someone surely has got to tell, is it Nick London who does the QPR plus stream? So ease off the word legend. Because as, oh, far as, I like I can see, I because like as far as I can see, the word legend is, is just been, it used to be pulling a sword from a stone and now it's turning up with a bag of crisps. But if you're a QPR legend, <laughs> if you just, you just, if you ever bought a shirt, I think you're now a QPR it legend. It is sarcasm. It is, he's, he does deliberately say it about anyone who briefly passed through. This is extraordinary. You can play, you can play QPR plus stream bingo and legend comes up every week without fail. I think right, it's pissick. Yeah, it is. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. But it has divided people, for sure. Um, Do you reckon if, if Nick Ward ever was to come back to England, Nick Ward, the legend, Sammy Kojo, <laughs> the legend, you know, this, yeah, uh, Bancoli, Jesus, you'd draw the line at Bancoli, wouldn't you? August Caesar, Jesus. Ned Zellick. Oh, Nick, Phil, you get me talking. Nick Ward. Ned Zellick came on the podcast once. Did he? Completely yeah. owned his... Owned it. He owned his stuff. He said, "Yeah, it was terrible. I was just I, terrible, and I'm really sorry." I went on, the, we... on a on a on a guided tour of the ground once, and the bloke in a tracksuit, must be from the youth team, had a question and answer session, and asked, "Who's our most expensive footballer we've ever bought?" Which at the time was Ned Zellick. So I said it was Ned Zellick, and he just looked at me as if I was completely mad because that wasn't on his script. Ah, that, was, oh. that was when we sold Les Ferdinand. We then bought Ned Zellick. Um. Right, the only thing remaining is predictions for the Watford game. Oh, Jesus. I'll do my usual uh, one-all, which is what I say when I'm not confident, because I think I don't think they've lost in five, have they? They, they won three or four on, on the spin, and they, they drew a mill. They're, they're doing pretty well, and apart from the two results before last, we haven't. So I will say 1-1. One, one. Mm. I, I think so the... Um, that they are significantly better than we are. And we're away from home on a Monday night, live on Sky. So it all stacked against us. But we are going to get given some really spurious, odd penalty for no reason whatsoever and nick a 1-1 out of it. I like it. Flo? Mm. Um, yeah, I think 1-1. Watford, a good bully team. They've got Troy Deeney. I think we'll try and scrape something out of nothing and claim a point. Finney. There is a time in life when the wee man or wee woman or wee person has to stand up to them stupid bloody team from bloody Hertfordshire that I hate with a passion. I can't stand Watford. I know a lot of people like him. I've never liked him. Never liked the chairman. Never liked anything about them. They're stupid colours. They're stupid bumblebees. Whatever they are, Hornets, I don't you, care. You like their Asda, though. You like their Asda, don't you? Well, it was hard to get the car washed at the same time. Yeah. Anyway, you, you, you throw me off track. QPR, never expect the expected. 2-0 Rangers, shoving up them. Remember the day we got promotions. Remember how bad they acted. Remember how bitter and twisted that little mid-table club in Hertfordshire were and stick it up them. Very good. That's great. Um, we've only gone over by about 20 minutes. And I, 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 I'm taking your short Arsene and finishing the show before you can change your mind. So 
Thank you guys very much. Thank you to the sponsors. Thanks for everyone listening. Stay safe out there, everyone. And we will see you next week. Come on, you ours. You be our, we